Shalom Aleichem, welcome to The Schmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Aaron Bendich to talk about his recently launched radio show, Borscht Beat, on WJFF Radio Catskill. Aaron is a 27-year-old residing in Brooklyn, New York, where he works as the Director of Advertising at Digital Media Rights, based in Manhattan. In his spare time, he collects Jewish records and produces radio. He studied computer science and film studies at Vassar College, where he got started in DJing and was the station manager at WVKR, Vassar's FM station. At Vassar, he took a course in introductory Yiddish and began exploring that side of his family's cultural history. Welcome, Aaron. So let's start by picking up on the short intro bio. Um, and I'm gonna ask you to talk a bit about your grandfather, your relationship and all of this in terms of how it connects you to Yiddish. So, so my grandfather, Max Bendich was born March 25th, 1915 uh, in Manhattan to recent immigrants from Ukraine. And he lived his whole life in the Bronx 105 years. And as a child, I grew up visiting him just about every weekend and seeing his sort of vast trove of treasures that he'd accumulated in his whole life. Uh, all, all sorts of uh, records and books and uh, videotapes at the time and uh, old paintings. And I was always fascinated by it. He'd always be playing me records, always playing tapes of, of uh, of old musicals or documentaries, uh, and and also always singing folk songs in Yiddish, uh, primarily. And over the years, I uh, I sort of retained. I kept that in the back of my head, but I wasn't going out of my way to to uh, engage too much with with the Yiddish side of of the sort of culture he exposed me to. I listened to a lot of American folk music, which he also shared with me, but uh, I never, uh, it wasn't until I started studying Yiddish in a little course I took at Vassar that I, I had the thought to engage in this particular type of culture that he had, uh, that he had shared with me. Uh, and he was a hundred years old at the time I had the great fortune of still having him around with an incredible memory to ask him about specific songs, artists, and he um, he was an unbelievable resource for, for <laughs> cultural information despite his uh, despite his extreme old age. Uh, and this really sort of set you in the direction of that exploration. And at Vassar, you studied Yiddish. So, so I, I majored in computer science and film studies, and was, mm -hmm. uh, that, that was like most of my studies. And I, uh, there was a language requirement there. I'd taken Mandarin Chinese in, in high school. I tried to place into that course, and, and uh, they were skeptical of my, of my Chinese ability. So I thought, I'm not going to fight them on this. I'll just go with their quote-unquote self-instructional Yiddish program, which I found out wasn't actually self-instructional, but rather taught by a, uh, a, a non-professor. So someone who, someone who's trained to teach the language, a native, uh, a, 
a native speaker or someone who, who spoke the language fluently but wasn't employed as a professor by the college. So I took a uh, I took a two semester course with this guy, uh, and it was very it was very elementary Yiddish, uh, but it got me it 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 drew me in more to the to both the music side and the Yiddish film side of things, having been studying film already. And I guess I need to ask you, what about um, the media resonated with you? Well, from, you know, from like week one or two of, of the course, there were, they would have some like songs in the book. And I already knew a lot of, you know, maybe a handful of, of Yiddish songs, maybe five or six off the top of my head that I recalled hearing regularly from my grandfather as a child. And that, that sort of drew me in because I, it, was a, it was another sort of touchstone where I could call my grandfather or visit him when I was back in, in, in Westchester. Um, and, I could, and I could say, hey, Zadie, um, do you know this song? And invariably, the answer was yes. Not only does he know the song, he, could, he knows every word of it. He could sing along to it. He could tell me who recorded it, uh, and then he and then often enough he'd say, "Oh, you took the records. Uh, look in look in the among the records. You'll find that particular song in there." And more often than not, I would go into my parents' basement and find that that specific record. So it was really it was it was centered very much on the personal connection I had with my grandfather first and foremost, at least. I mean, it's such a wonderful gift to have been able to share that together. Um, and I imagine it was really heartening for him as well. So you then also went off in search of more music and you've combed stores. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, at the time at, at Vassar, I was, uh, I was DJing on the radio already. I was working as a station manager for the station. I was playing a very different type of music on my, on my program. And I saw that there was a half hour available in the schedule. And I, I took the half hour for a second show, first doing American folk music that I'd gotten from my grandfather. And then I wanted to venture into the Yiddish music or the greater Jewish music category. Um, and I started just going to thrift stores and combing through the, um, the record section. And I'd find a record here, a record there. I'd, uh, I'd bring it to the radio station and uh, play as much of as as much of it as I could in the half hour that I was that I was on the air, uh, and that became a practice that I just never stopped. So even after I finished at Vassar and was not playing music on the radio, I was I became really sort of fixated on on collecting Yiddish language media or Jewish media, klezmer music. Uh, and accumulating an interesting and substantial collection. Uh, not to mention there was a, a, a much larger collection that I had already gotten from my grandfather. So, so it's, uh, I mean, his collection numbered in the, in the perhaps four to 678 RPM records, the big wow. uh, shellac hard ones. Uh, and I've, I've accumulated uh, over a hundred, probably multiple hundred Jewish records over the past five, six years that I've been collecting. And 
Do you ever, um, I'm going to flash forward in a second to uh, WJFF um, app, but do you ever search out from other collectors or archives songs that you've heard about that you are particularly interested in or another piece of media? Oh, yeah. I'm, um, I'm not exclusively collecting vinyl records. I, I, I collect uh, cassettes, CDs, uh, DVDs, videotapes. Um, so as far as like medium goes, uh, any any medium works for me, and uh, and that also includes digital. I, I I look on digital. I I do as much research as possible about all of the music that I that I collect and listen to. I uh, sometimes I seek out specific things from like for purchase. Yeah, I'll buy them on eBay. That's rare because I like the treasure hunt aspect of it, uh, and. Once I even, uh, I was told that the Yivo Sound Archive was giving away its duplicates. And I went there and took like 30 plus records there. Some really ex very extraordinary stuff from that collection. And they had like, you know, thousands of records laid out that I could have picked from. It was, uh, <laughs> it was tough to turn some stuff down, but I only have so much room in my apartment. <laughs> You'll be like Aaron Lansky with the books um, <laughs> when yes, the floors exactly. are falling in. Yeah. <laughs> Next thing you know, you'll have a 49,000 square foot uh, station. Um, so we'll flash forward uh, to your newest endeavor, if I may, which is WJFF. Um, and talk to me a little bit about its history um, in terms of, you know, uh, its place in Jewish culture in America. Yeah, so uh, the Catskills were for, for decades and decades, you know, Jewish vacation land, uh, the Borscht Belt, uh, so many different resorts that uh, people would vacation at and spend time with their family, their, their, their friends and uh, schmooze, and of course enjoy Jewish entertainment and it's you know it's something that that I've heard so much about. I feel like every young Ashkenazi Jew, particularly in the Northeast, hears about it. And uh, you know, my folks met at a at a at one of the resorts. My father worked at at a resort. They they both went to them growing up. I even had the benefit of going to to a couple of them in their sort of last last days of operation when I was a child. Uh, and it was that was a wonderful experience. Of course, they were they weren't exactly what they had been, but it's uh, th that's a history that comes up so so often when I'm reading either the notes on the record sleeves or doing doing separate research online about the about the a given artist or song, and I uh, I was. Uh, I wanted to. I wanted to broadcast in that area. To me, that that seems like a really beautiful, uh, exciting, and interesting thing to do for the greater continuity of that of that history. Um, and and I love that you use the word continuity because I think it's so important. It's more than nostalgia. It's really um, pushing this forward in a way. I, I think. Um, I'm curious to know. Was it? hard to, um, as they say in show business, get the show greenlighted? Um, 
Well, so there, there was a little context for how this all came about. I, uh, my, the, the current staff at WVKR, Vassar Station, reached out to me in like September or October and asked, um, saying that they were reaching out to former DJs from the station, former staff from the station, uh, to see if they were interested in doing remote shows. Because in general, people produce radio and radio studios. But because of this pandemic, there's, uh, there's, a, there's a new push for people to work remotely um, in radio as with all other things. So I, uh, I jumped at the chance. My, my grandfather was uh, still alive at the time, and, and I, I thought it would excite him. I knew, I knew it was exciting for me. And I, I, I found a daytime slot on VKR. Uh, I had my grandfather record the introduction, you know, the station call uh, for, for, you know, the call letters and, and location. And I started doing it on that station. And then I realized that I'm, sh I'm sure other stations are looking for, uh, for, for new programming. So I, I made a jump to a second station, WCFA LP uh, FM in Cape May, New Jersey. Uh, those two programs were under the title "Laughing with Lizards," from a from a an old saying that my grandfather would would often say. And then, I I that's when I found out about WJFF. I realized that that uh, if anywhere was was a logical next place for the program to be, it would be in the Catskills. Uh, I reached out to them, and found that they were a very uh, you know, a very legit station, to put it plainly. They uh, they had a lot of a lot of uh, NPR programming stuff like that, and uh, they we had a lot of back and forth and email and phone calls to make sure that the show was sort of in the right way for it to broadcast on there, and also the logistics of localizing it for the uh, for this particular station. In the process, they said they, they wanted a name that was perhaps more obviously Jewish than Laughing with Lizards, which mm -hmm. made a lot of sense to me. So I reached out to my uh, social media contacts and uh, trumpet player Jordan Hirsch came up with the name Borscht Beat. Everyone loved it. Uh, so did the staff at, at WJFF. And that's how I ended up with uh, with that name on that station. And what's the range that you'll be featuring? Oh, I, um, you, I mean, I have a personal tendency towards stuff in Yiddish um, or, or like the, some of the more uh, expressive, but also traditional forms of, of instrumental klezmer, but I'm definitely not trying to limit myself. I. Uh, just yesterday, I picked up a couple of uh, records in Hebrew, which I, I, I don't know any modern Hebrew. I, I, I don't really know that music very much, but I, I found a couple of beautiful, just wonderful records yesterday. So I, I, I picked them up. Uh, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to broadly encompass as much Jewish music as I have access to um, with my sort of number one goal to be uh, sharing media that's digitally inaccessible, meaning uh, 
I try to play records that I physically possess that you couldn't find on Spotify or YouTube. Uh, Spotify, of course, being a legitimate distribution channel and YouTube often enough being a place where people share bootlegged recordings. Uh, but I'm trying to play stuff that you can't even get um, an illegitimate <laughs> streaming version of. And it's, uh, to me, that's like the, the sort of miraculous thing that I'm given an opportunity to do is to take these exquisite pieces of culture that I care so much about and not only play it on this analog uh, FM broadcast, but also have it uh, broadcast in the digital equivalent for people anywhere in the world to tune in if they hear about it and want to. And this may be a silly question, but you know, in the sort of span of where this music um, you know, sort of originated and what you're collecting, are there opportunities to get live recordings? Were any of the you know performances recorded live, and can you find them? Yeah, I mean, um, I, you know, I'm I'm also playing more recent stuff, so there's plenty of recent live recordings. Mm -hmm. I go to loads of concerts and tend to record them uh, crudely on my phone. Uh, so so there's that. But as far as um, live recordings from the actual you know sort of classic era. There certainly are some. There's live recordings to the radio. There's uh, there's concert recordings, uh, for, you know, professionally recorded in concert halls. There's theater, some theater recordings, and then there's a whole rabbit hole. I, you know, I'm sure that there, there's somewhere someone has old reel-to-reel -reel recordings of uh, of klezmer or otherwise Jewish concerts that were up that have never seen a commercial release um there's a i'll never run out of, of music mm -hmm. to play that um that's for sure uh, i you know i i tallied my records sometimes because i think wow you know who knows who knows how many how many episodes of this i'll be producing and already i've got enough to last me years um <laughs> not to mention i i've got a lot of friends i i'm I'm eager to do more guest spots and interviews, uh, guest guest playlists, all, all of that sort of stuff. Uh, the The sky's the limit, I think. Mm -hmm. and it, um, is it a fair question to ask what has been your most exciting find to date? Oh, um, well, so my my most exciting Jewish media find overall was uh, his film, this Yiddish film, Asmen Git Nemtmen, uh, from, from Israel, uh, from, from the 80s, the first film in Yiddish made in, in the state of Israel. I, I'd seen a clip or two of it on, on YouTube and showed it to my grandfather and became really, really deeply fixated on trying to find myself a copy of it to, to watch. It's a musical, so it's got it's got a whole bunch of wonderful songs in it, and I spent literally a year relentlessly online trying to track down a DVD of it, and it was a <laughs> it was a an extraordinary uh, challenge, but I eventually did find a DVD of the film and uh, have have watched it many times. I watched it with my grandfather. I've watched it with friends. 
and I've played the songs from it on the radio. So that's, that's my most exciting media find. There's also, you know, occasionally I'll come across a record that has, uh, it says custom on it. So it, it comes from a, comes from a record label like uh, Tikva or uh, the Greater Recording Company, but it doesn't have a, a typical catalog number on it. It says custom, which means that whoever performed on the record or whoever produced the record paid a sort of vanity publishing fee to this record label to, to at very least manufacture the sleeves and the discs, but often enough also have the label produce the record. And there's this one, this one record I found not long ago that is called, uh, it's like uh, Stan Snyder sings Jewish favorites. And the blurb on the back says that Stan Snyder was the host of Philadelphia's longest Jewish radio program. Uh, I, initially I thought it said longest running, but no, it's, it says longest. And this guy's claim to fame was that every Sunday he would be on the FM waves in Philadelphia playing like five hours of Jewish music. Um, I'm sure he was, you know, a little older than me, maybe about my age. And it's, it's, it's an interesting record, you know, perhaps not my favorite music, but it's one of my favorite physical just sort of artifacts to have because that, you know, you want to talk about continuity. There's, there's a lineage between this guy's program and mine. Uh, and uh, it's just, it's having, having a piece of physical media in your hands that's, that, that you, you ended up with by chance against all odds is, is like a, it's just a, it's a joyous feeling. It's like, be, it's like going back in time or something. Mm -hmm. I can I can imagine it's pretty cool. <laughs> so, I do want to ask you also um, what what your grandfather made of all of this in terms of your interest and in, you know uh, and the continuation of your um, sort of exploring and producing. Yeah. He, um, so I, I've I was always very close with him. You know, it's not like my interest in this sort of gave us a relationship that we didn't otherwise have. Mm -hmm. But for the last three years of his life, I was, I was able to engage with him on certain cultural touchstones that at very least he hadn't had someone to, to relate with him on that level in many decades. And perhaps no one had ever related to him about these about this type of media to the extent that I had ever. So just the sheer process of me, I mean, I would spend every Saturday and Sunday with him for three for the final three years of his life. I, I would spend three, four hours with him twice a week um, on my weekends. And we would, uh, both days in general, we would either listen to music or more often just sing songs together. and. And it wasn't like, it wasn't just like one or two songs. We would sing like bits of like 30 songs every time we'd see each other. And it would just bring him to life. He loved, he loved singing, singing the songs, remembering the lyrics. I would remind him of songs that he had forgotten about. And 
extraordinarily, he was able to learn some new ones, uh, songs that he hadn't he hadn't heard before that he would that he was able to memorize even at the age of 103, 104. Uh, and then, I mean, once I was doing the radio, he he when I recorded him saying, "You're listening to 91.3 WVKR FM." He, he would be maybe tired or, you know, he was 105 years old, but the moment that I put the microphone in front of him, he would perk up and it would be like, <laughs> it would be like he was actually in the studio doing it. He, he certainly was, was uh, eager to be heard by other people. And I'm just so glad that I have the, the chance to, to, to amplify uh, the, the things that he loved and cared about as well as his own voice uh, to, to an audience of, of people he didn't know, of people that he actually did know, like my family and friends who, who, who knew him well. Uh, it's really, uh, it made him immensely happy. Um, and I think make, hearing the story makes me, um, have a huge smile on my face, Aaron. <laughs> um, and it's, yeah, that's a luxury to have been able to connect that way. Um, and again, let, let's just uh, quickly for our listeners, um, Borscht Beat is on WJFF Radio Catskill, available on air at 90.5 FM, online at WJFFradio.org. Uh, on your smartphone, uh, there's an app, WJFF app. Um, and episodes of some of Aaron's previous shows featuring Jewish music are available at his website, laughingwithlizards.com. And before I let you go, let's take it out with a recording of your grandfather, Max Bendich. Um, and before we do that, can you just set it up and then we'll go into that. And I wanna thank you so much for joining me today and for everything you're doing. Uh, it's great. Thank you. Thank you very much for, for uh, having this conversation with me. Um, yeah, just for some context, I, this video is, uh, or this recording was, I was visiting my grandfather one day, um, one weekend, sitting in the in the dining room where he ate, and he he would often come out and sing a sing a song in Yiddish to me. Usually, it was either one I knew or one I was easily able to look up. But this song he came out with uh, this one time, I'd never heard it before. And no amount of Google searching was would yield any information about it. So I recorded him singing it and, and shared it with everyone I possibly could to, to try and identify it. And we never we never got a, a positive identification on it, but people have certainly enjoyed hearing it. Go. <laughs> Ich bin als Dreiter, sing ich bin ein Eise Knisch, ein Knisch, wenn Petitis in a Tellus mit in a Lack ich meine Finger wie ein Klein Kessel. Hey, bum bum, pitchen, patchen, weiß mir, soll auf Hitler wachsen ein Geschwil. The college boy is over, sie schlingen ganz frisch, na, ich I don't know it. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh, at that time, if you remember, 
The college walk in, they were swallowing live goldfish. <laughs> no, they were swallowing live. You've been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. To learn more about this podcast and to subscribe, visit our website, yiddishbookcenter.org. This episode was produced by me, Richie Barchet. Until next time, be well and be healthy.